Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's online service. I want to remind you that if you would like to register for an in-person service, all you need to do is go on our website and click the registration button. Registration opens every Monday at 9 a.m. and closes every Friday at noon. Well, the Christmas season is almost upon us, and in traditional EPC fashion, we are going to be selling poinsettias for $7 each that you can place in honor or in memory of someone. If you would like to do that, all you need to do is, if you are in an in-person service, is fill out the form, mark who you want named for the poinsettias, add the money to the envelope, and leave it in the offering plate. Alternatively, you can do so by doing an e-transfer. All you need to do is e-transfer the money for each poinsettia and let us know in the memo line who you would like the poinsettia placed in honor or in memory of. That's important, so please remember to do that. The last day to order a poinsettia is Sunday, November the 22nd. That's all for now. Enjoy the rest of the day and God bless. Hello everyone. Let's sing together. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, rise up. 
against us. You are strong to save in your mighty name, King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come. King of heaven, come. It's an honor for us today to have as our guest speaker, Dr. Josh Samuel, who is the Director of Worship and Creative Arts at Masters College and Seminary, which is the training school for the Pentecostal Assemblies in Eastern Canada. Josh is a colleague of mine, and I consider him to be a friend and someone I highly respect. Today, he is going to be sharing with us on the topic, Does the Bible Offer a Model for confronting racism. Imagine this is happening to you. You're, you know, you're growing up in a family and, uh, you know, you have kids and when it's time for them to go to school, uh, they're taken away from you. Not by the Nazis, not by some comic book villain, not by some evil terrorist, uh, but by people that you assume you can trust, the government. And the government working with Christian churches. This isn't some dark fairy tale, but it's actually a reality. It's a reality of what happened to many indigenous people in our nation here in Canada. When uh, children were taken to residential schools um, to be trained to become, quote unquote, um, more civilized. Let me read to you a few quotes from some uh, government leaders uh, to explain the rationale for why these things are happening. A federal cabinet minister in 1883 stated that the purpose of residential schools is this. In order to educate the children properly, we must separate them from their families. Some people may say that this is hard, but if we want to civilize them, we must do that. Agerton Ryerson in the 1847 for the report for Indian Affairs stated, their education must consist not merely training of the mind, but of a weaning from the habits and feelings of their ancestors and the acquirements of the language, art, and customs of civilized life. On May 25, 2020, many of us witnessed the horror of George Floyd, an African-American man murdered in broad daylight by a police officer who was keeping him down by putting his knee on George Floyd's neck. This all happened during an arrest for allegedly using a counterfeit bill. The video shows Floyd pleading for his life that he is in pain and he can't breathe. Uh, then the pleas stop, his eyes shut, um, and he's pronounced dead shortly thereafter. You know, many of us in Canada watched in horror our neighbors to the south and and in many ways, his death alongside many others during that time really awoken in uh, many of us uh, of the realities of racism. And uh, sometimes we look, we're here in Canada and we think, well, that's not really a, can, uh, a Canadian issue. You know, we're multicultural, we're diverse. Um, we, you know, we, say, we like to say sorry a lot. 
Um, but the reality is, is that racism has been rooted in our history as well, right here in Canada, as I've explained, uh, some of the issues that indigenous people have faced, those people, uh, who are, you know, a first nations Inuit and Métis background. Um, racism is real. And as Christians, we know that sin has tainted our world and it's tainted human nature. Uh, you know, we have this predisposition to sin. And so racism is a troubling symptom uh, of sin in our world and in our own hearts. Um, so does the Bible offer a model for confronting racism? I believe it does. Today, I want to look at a model that we find in the early church found in the book of Acts. So today, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Uh, I'll be reading and you can read along as well on video. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 onwards. It says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked and the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Let's begin with prayer. Lord, we see the pain and the realities of racism in our world today, and we believe that this is sin. And Lord, we look to you and we look to your word to offer hope and to help us understand the realities of it and how we can better respond to it as a church. We need your grace. We need your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at this Acts 6 passage, we see a serious concern. The Hellenistic Jews were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And now the Hellenistic Jews were different from the Hebraic Jews in that the Hellenistic Jews were people who spoke Greek and they were more influenced by Greek culture. Uh, on the other hand, the Hebraic Jews that we read about here were Aramaic-speaking Jews, uh, people who likely lived in Jerusalem all their lives. And, uh, you know, these Hellenistic Jews uh, may have been people who may have came later on in their life uh, to come to Jerusalem. And some have actually argued that it's possible that these were just Greeks who were Christians. What is clear here is that there are distinctions in this group, right? We see that they're Hellenistic Jewish people and Hebraic Jews. And the, he the Hellenistic Jewish widows just weren't getting the same care and treatment that the Hebraic widows were experiencing uh, at that time. You know, it's interesting. I don't know about you. Sometimes we, you know, we think about the early church and we read about the incredible miracles and the healing and the great ministries that occurred through this early church in the book of Acts. But when we look at some of these stories, we realize they didn't have it all together. 
They didn't have it all together. They didn't have, uh, it wasn't perfect. And so they had their challenges too. And here we, we see one of those challenges in Acts chapter 6, uh, that we see this challenge when it came to cultural differences and people being neglected based on their background, their cultural background. You know, I think for us that this passage can be held up as a model for us as we try to think and live in a way that is faithful to Christ and also being sensitive to the real issues of neglect, pain, and mistreatment based on things like culture and racism. So let's follow the story to help us out here. The first thing we see is the complaint. We hear the Hellenists complaint. Their widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. You know, these are people who are already marginalized and here they're being neglected. In the care of widows, the church was failing, particularly with one cultural group, the Hellenistic Jewish widows. You know, if we're honest, most of us don't like to hear complaints against us, right? You know, I don't like to hear complaints like, hey, hey, Josh, you know, we got this complaint about you. And let's be honest, like sometimes our our, our defenses kind of rise up like, uh oh, like what's coming here? Like, I, I surely I couldn't have, have done something wrong. Um, but if you read in verse one, uh, you know, it, it says that the disciples were increasing in number. Like it says that things were actually seem to be going well. They should have no complaints, right? Well, even bad things can happen in the midst of good times. So the Hellenists complain. You know, as we look in our world today, there are obviously some good things that we see in our world, in our nation, in our world, but we also see some negative things. And because of that, we see people are complaining about their mistreatment, their neglect. You know, it's 2020 and we know we hear the injustice and mistreatment of, of blacks and indigenous people. You know, when we turn on our TVs, you know, open up our social media, we can't help but see people protesting. Uh, they're complaining. Some things aren't right in this world. You know, watching that video of George Floyd dying was a very difficult thing to see. Grappling with the real suffering of blacks and indigenous people in our world is difficult to ponder, to think about. And for us as Christians, I think there's a room for the response of lament. What is, what is lament? You know, it's a moment where we express our sadness, our sorrow, and complaints regarding something. You know, we see it in places like the Psalms and, of course, Lamentations. You know, if we're honest, you know, sometimes we as Christians, we only lean towards worship that is kind of happy-clappy, if you know what I'm saying. But the Bible goes beyond just the joyful, happy songs. Don't get me wrong. They, they, those are there. But there's also room for lament. Think about Psalm 137. You know, maybe you remember that song by Boney M. You know, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. You know, Psalm 137. That's what it is. They're quoting Psalm 137. Well, let me read that to you. Psalm 137, one onwards. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. When we remembered Zion upon the willows in the midst of it, we hung our harps for there our captors demanded of us songs and our tormentors mirth saying, sing us one of those songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget her skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember, O Lord, 
against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it to its very foundation. O daughter of Babylon, you, you devastated one. How blessed will be the one who repays you with the recompense with which you have repaid us. How blessed will be the one who seizes and dashes your little ones against the rock. Wow. Psalm 137 is sometimes a tough passage to read. Not just sometimes, pretty much all the time. The Jewish people are in Babylon. They are in exile. They are not in their homeland at this moment. And their captors, the people of, of Babylon, are asking them to sing a song. Hey, tell us, sing us one of those songs from way back in the day when you are back in your homeland. Entertain them. Even when they are in the midst of bondage. How can they go on like nothing's happened? And then you have verse 9. It says, How blessed will be the one who seizes and dashes your little ones against the rock. We see here the Jewish people were experiencing suffering. And here's a moment where they're being honest and saying, Wow, how blessed the one will be the one who seizes and dashes your little ones, you Babylonians, against the rock. They were being honest. They were uh, imagining their oppressors, those Babylonians, experiencing suffering just like they were, even their children. What about today? What about today? When people are on the receiving end of suffering and evil, is it okay for them to lament? Might they say things like the psalmist? And if they do, how do we treat them? Do we judge them right away and say, how dare you say such a thing? How dare you do such things? You can't do that. But here's the thing. The Bible includes these honest moments of reflections on the reality of suffering and evil for good reason. It's honest, it's real, and God can handle this lament. You know, one of the things that we as believers, we can see in these laments is that it's all set within the context of faith, right? Isn't that different? Yes, there is a lament. Yes, people are saying, God, where are you? What's happening? Why is this happening to me, God? But one of the beautiful things about these laments that we see in Scripture, one of the beautiful things about when we follow the Lord is it's not just room for complaint and lament, but it's complaint and lament within the context of, of, of following this God who loves, who delivers, who heals. What can the church offer in this moment? A place where people can lament. A place where people can be honest and real and even raw about their emotions and their anger in light of feeling mistreated and neglected. You know, sadly, sometimes well-meaning Christians try to dismiss the very real feelings of pain. They say, hey, it's not really what you say. That's not racism. You can't be upset. Hey, they say, check out this video of this, maybe this other black person or this other person, what this leader has said. They don't think we should be upset. They don't think you should be upset. Or some people may say, hey, you know, it's not godly to express emotion and anger and pain. You ought to, you know, sing a happy song. You got to smile and praise the Lord. Maybe one of those songs of Zion. You know, as Christians, we got to be open to lament. And sometimes it may not look pretty. It may bring tension. We may not feel comfortable. But the scriptures include these moments because they're honest and real and God can handle it. If we don't allow people room for lament, the world will make room for it. 
But here's the thing. Where will the world direct that energy for lament if they don't direct that energy to God when the midst, in the midst of their lament, where will that lament go? Maybe not to a very good place. More than ever, we need to say to people, say to ourselves, hey, we can bring a lament to God who loves, who delivers, who reconciles and brings healing like no other. We need to make room for lament where we're willing to make room for that, where we're willing to even confess sin and, and, and grieve over the sins uh, of our nation and in, our, and in our own hearts. We need to lament. I got another L word in terms of how we respond, and that's listen. We also need to listen. You know, thankfully, the early church in the book of Acts uh, was willing to listen to the Hellenist Jews' complaint that their widows were being overlooked. Listening is always going to be crucial to having a strong walk with the Lord. I want you to listen to some powerful passages of Scripture that speak to the importance of listening. Proverbs 18.2 Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Kind of sounds like social media, right? Proverbs 18.13 To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know, here's the thing. Listening requires humility. Humility says, you know, I probably don't understand it all. There's so much more to learn. But pride, on the other hand, says, I think I got this all figured out. You know, these days we've heard phrases and slogans like Black Lives Matter or Indigenous Lives Matter. And for some people that makes sense, but for others it may sound offensive to them because it sounds like they're saying that only black lives matter or only indigenous lives matter. But as we listen, that's not what they're saying. They're trying to teach us that black lives matter too, that indigenous lives matter too. As we listen, it should compel us to ask questions. Why do people feel that way? Imagine our story in the book of Acts. Imagine if, oh, if, imagine if the Hellenistic Jews complained that the Hellenistic Jewish widows weren't being cared for it, and everyone started saying, hey, 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 stop saying this. Stop focusing on just the Hellenistic Jews. Look, all widows matter, not just the Hellenistic Jews. All widows matter. Well, if the Hellenistic Jews heard that, they'd be like, well, you're not really listening. You're not really listening to the pain, the mistreatment, the neglect we're kind of feeling right now. The early church listened well. In the midst of the social unrest we see in our world, we as a church need to listen well. You know, there may be things that we hear that maybe aren't very clear yet to us. There are things maybe out there that may sound offensive. Maybe there are things that maybe we disagree with. Pride might lead us to start speaking about things before we really heard. Humility should lead us to first seek to understand before trying to be understood. Let me say that again. We need to seek first to understand before we seek to be understood here. And as we listen, there may be tension. And that's okay. You know, you may disagree with one point out of 10 things they say, but don't allow that one thing to keep you away from those nine other things that uh, 
you need to affirm as true. You know, the world of politics, you know, the right wing and the left wing would love for us to completely dismiss groups entirely based on one thing that they might point out that is maybe inaccurate or inappropriate or something like that. The world of politics would love for us to do that. But here's the thing, as Christians, we need to be people of truth. And when we see truth in various camps and various groups, we got to affirm that, right? Jesus is the truth. So we need to be truth people, people who love truth. And when we see truth uh, from whatever political spectrum, we got to affirm truth. Let's, so let's listen to some black and indigenous voices to help us better understand. Let's listen to George Floyd, who uttered these words while underneath the officer before he died. Please, I, I can't breathe, officer. Please, please, please. Mama, I'm through. Let's listen to George Floyd's brother, Terrence Floyd. Peace on the left, justice on the right. Yeah, we upset. Let's do this another way. Let's stop thinking that our voice doesn't matter. Let's vote. Educate yourself. Listen to Pastor John Gray, an African-American pastor. If I put my knee in the neck of a dog and it was caught on video, everyone would want me to go to jail and never want me to preach again. That's because they have more compassion for a dog than we have for a man dying on the street. That's a problem. That's a hard problem. And it's systemic. And it's spiritual at its root. Listen to Alice Lydia, an indigenous woman. I'm 78 years old. I spent eight years in residential school. My strongest memory there is when a little girl died beside me. She must have been about six. She was scared. Why the parents weren't there and their parents were never notified. Listen to Raymond Mason, an indigenous man in Canada. I'm 62 years old and I attended residential school for 12 years. At that time, they never told us that our sisters were across the hallway. And I didn't know that for the longest time. Then I spotted my sister Nora and I was so glad and so hysterical. I went running to her and reached out to her and hugged her. I was just shaking and I was wondering why she was pushing away. And I didn't realize we weren't supposed to know that we lived in the same place. We weren't allowed to talk with each other. I remember the principal grabbing a hold of me by the hand. And I was jumping off the floor like that. And he stripped me. And he started whacking me with a long web strap. He was setting an example. You know, if you do this, this is what's going to happen to you. And all the other boys were watching. And the girls were going through. Ever since that day, I tried to run away. Maybe you're listening. You're listening with me today and you're like, Josh, I hear what you're saying, I, but I've, you know, I've watched a few videos and, you know, other people say that it's, it's not a problem. But see, that would be like the other widows who aren't Hellenists saying, hey, we're all so well fed. People are so loving and so caring. The Hellenists, I, I, I can't believe that they're not being well taken care of because we're being taken care of. Stop focusing on Hellenist widows. All, widow, all widows matter, not just those Hellenistic Jews. But if they said that, we know they weren't really listening. Here's the thing. You will find different views of things. Of course you will. But that doesn't negate the real hurt and need out there. You know, I have three kids. And if we're all going for a walk and the eldest, for some reason, uh, walked and something hurt his foot. And he was like, dad, 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 my hurt, my foot is hurting. And then my second child came through that same sidewalk. And the third one came and, and the second and third said, hey, we, we, didn't, we didn't feel anything. 
the eldest is lying. He's got no pain. What if we were to listen to the other two and not listen to that first one? What if something was on the sidewalk that, that the eldest child stepped on and he has legitimate pain? We need to hear them out. Why? Because we love, we care. So we need to listen. When we listen well, it's not just a matter of humility. It's actually also a matter of honoring that person, of respecting that person. We're going to leave off with those two L words, lament and listen. Let's pray and invite God to help us make more room for lament and listening to others and their deepest needs. Lord, we thank you, God, uh, for who you are. I thank you, God, that you are a God that brings reconciliation. You are a God that brings healing. You're a God that delivers. Lord, you are a God that cares about the marginalized. You care about injustice. And so I pray, Lord, that we as a church, that believers, Lord, we would step up and be willing to make room for lament and be a safe place for that. And Lord, be willing to listen. Listen well. Listen deeply. And listen to the hearts of those who are genuinely hurting. I pray that people would see that the church is a place where they can lament and be heard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
I can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on. There will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, still I will praise you, still I will praise you. I can see a light, I can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on. There will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, still I will praise you, still I will praise you. Sing, oh, oh no, you never let go, through the calm, through the storm, oh no, you never let go, never sending us grace, Lord God. Please help us to always hope in you, to always trust in you. No matter what's going on in our lives, we can have hope, Lord God, because you love us and you never stop loving us. And hope is so important, Lord God. Please keep us from discouragement. Please keep us from despair. Help us to look to you and trust in you and hope in you, Lord God, no matter what's going on in our lives. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your love. Pray all these things in your name. Thank you for being a part of our service today. Our prayer is that this service was meaningful for you. If we can be of assistance, please don't hesitate to email or call us. God bless you, and we pray that you'll have a great week.